0: If you will, turn in your Bibles to the 54th chapter of the book of Isaiah as we continue our study through the Word. Now, you will remember how God was talking about the fact that He is the true and the living God and there is no other God. And you will remember He talked about the futility of idols and and the fact that the nation of Israel was going to come underneath a chastisement because of their idolatry. And, and then you'll remember that as the Lord was ministering to him that they are going to be chastised, that that they're not going to be forgotten then, that he was already exhorting them and encouraging them that he is going to, to send Cyrus, the Medo-Persian king that is going to ultimately be the one that is going to direct the nation of Israel back into its land after the the Babylonians uh, have come and taken them into captivity you'll remember that God says that Babylon though is going to be judged for the mistreatment uh, of uh, the nation of Israel and so judgment is going to fall upon the Babylonians and and he talked the exhortation about how the the people are going to return in gladness and and that they will come back into Jerusalem. And, and then you remember, we see that the book of Isaiah shifts gears and begins to talk about the deliverer, the servant, referring to the, the Messiah. And, and then ultimately we saw probably one of the greatest descriptions uh, of uh, the Messiah found anywhere in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 53 there are a few verses leading in at the end of chapter 52 but this incredible portrait of the of the suffering servant of uh, of the Messiah who is going to come and lay down his life that that he is going to be numbered with transgressors that that he will not be uh, 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 this splendid, handsome individual, that there will be a comeliness uh, about him, but that by his stripes we are going to be healed and and so speaking about his agony and his crucifixion his life and his ministry unbelievable portrait that we have of christ there in isaiah chapter 53 as we come now to isaiah chapter 54 once again he's talked about the fact that they're going to go into a chastisement period but that they're not going to be forgotten, that God's love is, is not cut off from them. And, and so once again, he is going to affirm to them this covenant of peace, that, that it is perpetual. God is going to use the nation of Israel from the time that he fashioned and formed them into a nation, all the way through the return of jesus christ to all the way through the millennial reign of christ the the reign of christ christ is going to to return and as the 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 seed the offspring of david he is going to sit upon that throne and that that throne will never end and so the the, the covenant with that nation of Israel. Israel will always have a special place. They are never going to just be cut off and destroyed and wiped off from the face of the earth. And so we see this perpetual covenant is going to be referenced here in this chapter. And and then we're going to just see the, the incredible heart that God has towards uh, uh, His people and, and to know how much you're loved, how much God loves you. And, and so such an encouraging chapter that we are going to look at in chapter 55. It begins in chapter 54 and, and it says in verse 1, Sing, O barren. You who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. And do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. So Israel here is portrayed as this barren woman who was disgraced, and and so now we see that she is going to be encouraged. Uh, a, a, a barren woman we see that fertility on every level was a sign of god's blessing and and so you remember how when hannah was not able to have children how devastating that was uh, for her but when the lord then opened her womb and and gave her a son how she sang for joy and and so Jerusalem is going to go into captivity and and so the city itself is going to be desolate it's going to be in mourning it is going to have lost its population it is likened here to a, a barren woman but now he is declaring to rise up because there is going to to be such an increase in population that that you will be greater in size and importance than you have ever been we see here the, uh, the lengthening now of your cords and, and the strengthening your, your stakes. You're going to expand to the right and, and, and to the left. And so uh, here again, we see the future of, of the city of Zion, of Jerusalem, and, and how Jerusalem has such an important place in, in the future and in the millennial reign of Christ. And, and so, verse 4, do not fear. For you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused, says your God. He says that your future is one where you are going to forget now the chastisement that is behind you, that that the Lord's embrace is there. He says, for your maker... Is your husband? We see here that the nation of Israel is likened to, to Jehovah's bride. He says, "Your your Maker, the one that fashioned and formed you, didn't just make you and then cast you off. He has taken you as His possession, as His special people, as His bride." And the Lord of hosts uh, is his name. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. And so we see the Messiah is the Redeemer of the nation of Israel. He is the one that is going to to come and to lay down his life. And he is called the God of the whole earth. And and so verse 7, it says, For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies, I will gather you. And, and once again, we see just the tenderness of the Lord as he is ministering to the nation of Israel. And, and you remember that in captivity, how they must have wept. And how they must have sorrowed and how they must have grieved there. The the destruction of so many of their relatives and friends and and business associates. The the Babylonians destroyed and killed so many people and took others uh, into captivity and and so here they are displaced away from their own land away from the temple away from uh, from life as they knew it and and they were despairing would they ever be able to to go back would they ever be able to once again worship in the temple and and would jerusalem ever once again be that place where god's presence and god's glory was made known to the rest of the nations and and here we see that god is affirming them with a giant yes yes you were chastised you were chastised for for just a moment for a mere moment i have forsaken you but with great mercies, uh, I will grab. <laughs> I will gather you, and so for forsaken. They, they were forsaken there in Babylon for seventy years. They were forsaken as a nation after the destruction by the Romans for two thousand years, but but those are spans those are nothing we see that god continues now to work through the nation of israel the bible tells us that a a thousand years as is a day to the lord and uh, and so uh, when you consider the 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 span in comparison to eternity you see that these are just mere moments uh, here where the nation has been forsaken. But for a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness... I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. And so he says for these moments you, you will have these judgments that will be upon you, but you will never be cast off. He says that his that everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you. And so we see the, the eternal perspective and the eternal relationship that God invites us into. In verse 9 For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. Nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you we see that uh, after the flood how god uh, had judged uh, sin upon the earth and through it but that he had promised that he would never again destroy the earth and through a flood and so the rainbow was given as that promise of god that that the waters would never rise up over the whole world and destruction. And, and so uh, he says that, that the mountains are going to depart and the hills will be removed. And, and here, what are we talking about? The tribulation period is when the mountains are going to be cast down and the hills will be removed. But he says, my kindness shall not depart uh, from you. Jesus said that heaven and earth are going to pass away, but that my word will never pass away. And so there is going to come a time when the mountains are going to be removed, but God's promises and God's covenant, they will never, ever be removed again. Oh, you afflicted one, tossed with tempest, not comforted, Behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make you pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal and all your walls of precious stones. And, and so here is, here is the Lord talking about Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is going to just be destroyed by the Babylonians but here we see that god is declaring that that there is a future and a hope and and, and we see that that now the, the walls of crystal and precious stones, the rubies and all. And, and you will remember how the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven in and, and Revelation chapter 21. And, and we see the description of, uh, of all of the various stones and sapphires and, uh, and all that are made up. And, and so the, the glorious future of Israel All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established, and you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. And so we see here that their children are going to be trained up in the Lord, trained up in the things of the Lord, taught by the Lord. Now, the raising up their children in faith was something that the Israelites always put a high priority on. And so here we see that there is going to come a time when all your children shall be taught righteousness, truth by the Lord. It's interesting that, that this is something now that is not allowed for us in our public schools. We've come to a place where they're not allowed to be taught of the Lord. It's against the law to teach them of the Lord in the schools today. And, uh, and so he, here we see that there is coming a day, though, when, when righteousness and truth is going to prevail. And that the children will be raised up and taught by the Lord. How glorious that is going to be in the millennial reign. When truth is taught. And, and that no longer will there be agendas or propaganda in the schools. But, but that the raising up of children will be in truth and in righteousness. How glorious that is going to be. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. And whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals and the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the spoiler to destroy. Here we see that in verse 15 they shall surely assemble but not because of me this we see is the dry bones and uh, prophecy of ezekiel when uh, when now in 1948 how the nation of israel was reborn again after the horrendous persecution of world war ii we see that that there was now this this softening of heart that allowed the nation to be replanted again a moment in time and and we saw here that they were gathered together. They were drawn. They, they wanted to avoid persecution that they were facing in all of the different countries. They, they wanted their homeland. And, and, and so the nation of Israel was reborn. But notice this. It says, indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. The chief purpose of them coming back into their nation again wasn't to worship the true and the living God. They just just felt a drawing, a yearning to come back to their land, to the land, to the land. The land was calling to them. And so, whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. And, And here again, God promises that he will be against those that are against Israel. He says that, you don't have to worry about their weapons. I am I'm the one that has made the blacksmith. I am aware of the, the weapons that the blacksmith makes uh, here. He says, and I have created the, spoiler to destroyer, I have created the destroyer to destroy. God says he has his hand on, on all. And though Babylon will be the destroyer that will come in and destroy, he will then destroy the destroyer. He will bring judgment on the Babylonians. And and so here we see in verse 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I love that verse. No weapon that is formed against you is going to to prosper. Why? Because God is the one that protects. And God is the one that raises up and and takes down. And, And as a child of God, God has your best interest at heart. And so the evil that is meant, God promises that all things will work together for good and that we do not need to live in fear uh, of our enemies. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me says the Lord. And so here we see that this is the the heritage of the, the servants of the Lord and and their righteousness is from me. How glorious uh, that is, the righteousness that we have is is from Christ. That the righteousness of Christ that we put on His righteousness, and our sins are forgiven us, and and just how glorious that is. As we get to Isaiah chapter fifty-four, we see that that there is this glorious uh, invitation in verse one: "Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters." And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And, and so here we see just the flow of abundance uh, now. Everyone who thirsts, you remember that Jesus, there on the Mount of Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger. And thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. For righteousness, to live rightly before God. Oh, when the desire of our heart is that we would be pleasing to God that we would have a right relationship with him that we would seek him in the mornings and and that we would call to him throughout the day and and that he is our delight when god is your delight then you are going to find fulfillment you are going to overflow in your life you'll remember how jesus was talking to the samaritan woman at the well and and talks about thirst and we have physical thirst and we have this spiritual thirst and And he was speaking to her and he said that whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. When we are connected to God, when our sins have been forgiven. And the free flow of love between God and us is is being experienced in our life how how it will be so satisfying that it that it will not just quench your thirst as as a cup of water quenches it but then when it's gone your thirst returns but it will be this never ending springing up refreshment that will take place the promise everyone who thirsts c- come come to the waters and And we see that in Revelation chapter 22, and the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come, and whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. What is it that you are seeking more of in your life? Whatever you want more of in your life, more of God would be more fulfilling in your life than more of anything else that that you could possibly want. It's about priorities. It's about recognizing that God and God's love and God's grace is, is the most important thing in a person's life. Jesus would say that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of, of God. That there is a, a physical sustenance that is a necessity, but, but that speaks nothing of the cry of the soul to be refreshed and fulfilled and, and to overflow. And, and when we seek after this, we will gain that. And our lives will be rich. When we are seeking the things of the world to fill us uh, up, to satiate our our appetites, they they will return again and we are constantly seeking relief from the appetites uh, in our life. But when we seek after righteousness, a right relationship with God, oh how profitable that is in our life. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. And so what am I looking for? What am I hungering for That temporary satisfaction that comes from the world or the eternal fulfillment that comes from the presence of God and so I'm seeking after that that presence uh, of God incline your ear verse 3 and come to me here and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of David and so, come, we see the, the bidding of God. God's heart is for us to come, that, that we wouldn't stay away and that we wouldn't run away, but that we would come. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I will give you peace. Peace in the journey. Peace in the struggle. Peace in this life. In this world you will have tribulation. There will be trials. There will be difficulties. There will be hardships. There will be suffering. There will be tears. There will be compression. There will be oppression. There will be depression. depression. But I have overcome the world. And so we see, come, come all who are weary, all who are struggling. Cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. Are your burdens overwhelming you? Is the pressure of, uh, of the restrictions of, of COVID-19, are they, are they just burdening you down? Oh, cast your cares upon them, for even those pressures have been accomplishing their work in our hearts and in our lives, forcing us to reprioritize and connecting us with others in new and different ways and and helping us to grow in long-suffering and and, and abiding in Christ, pressing us deeper into the Lord, forcing us to become more fervent in our prayers. The, The Lord has been using this great trial to... To change our character and to mold us into the men and women of God, but it is not easy. Fires of affliction that that refine us and down to where the dross is now poured uh, off, and it is not a, an easy process, but it is a profitable process. And so come the lord says come to me bring your burdens bring your trials bring your difficulty and and when we bring him to the lord the lord helps us to put things into a right perspective he he lifts those burdens from us we find rest when we're able to pray to the lord and talk to the lord about the things that are that are going on in our lives he says and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The the bidding to come is an offer of salvation, but not just an offer of salvation. For once we are connected to God, we we need to continue to pursue the Lord in our relationship and and here he speaks about the everlasting covenant. This is the, the, the reference now to Jesus uh, and to the offer of salvation in the new covenant the sure mercies of David. You will remember how God said that the Messiah was going to come through King David. And and you remember how David now had desired, he had wanted to build the temple for God. And and you remember his prophet comes in and David tells him, oh, I'm going to build a, a beautiful temple for God. And and you'll remember that the prophet has to go back in and tell David, David, God said no, you're not allowed to build him the temple. You're a man of war. You have blood on your hands. But God is going to build a house for you, and and so the the promise to David that through his lineage the Messiah, the the savior of the world would come, and and here we see that this is the sure mercies. Uh, Of David, that now Isaiah is talking about. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and a a commander for the people. And and so we see that Christ is the, the witness. The witness of what? The witness of God. He has made him the heir of all things, who is the express image of God. And so the witness of God, the express image of God, the true and faithful witness of God. And surely you shall call a nation you do not know. And nations who do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he hasn't glorified you. And so they are going to... Recognize all the nations are going to come and to worship. The nations that don't know the Lord in the millennial reign will come to know the Lord. And the worship will be universal. They will come from the entire surface of the earth to come and to uh, worship the Holy One of Israel. For He has glorified you. God has glorified His Son. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him when he is near. Seek the, the Lord. We see that, that we are to do that when he is able to be found. Now, God had said in the days of Noah, my spirit will not always strive with man. There, there will come a time when the invitation of salvation will stop. And the forgiveness of sins. And, uh, and we see that judgment then comes. But, but in the time that salvation is available, we need to, to seek the Lord while he may be found. It says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. And he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon and so once again, we see that, that there is this gentleness of God, that God will forgive us, that his grace is sufficient, that his provision of forgiveness is as far as the east is from the west. And, and many times we can feel like we've passed the point of grace with God that we have been running from the Lord for so long that we have become so numb to him and have offended him in so many ways that, that now the Lord would not possibly want me back. But I want you to know that that, that is such a lie from hell God loves you. God always has His arms uh, open to you. And and so, He will abundantly pardon. But He calls them to to depart from their evil. Forsake your ways. Come out uh, and return to the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Wash yourselves. Make yourself and clean put away the evil of your doing from before my eyes and and cease to do evil god is always telling us to stop sinning jesus and said to the paralytic sin no more go your way and and sin no more god's desire is we would conduct ourselves in such a way that that would invoke health in our spiritual life, our relationship with him. And sin is any action in our life that's going to hurt our relationship with God. And God loves you. And God doesn't want us to do anything that would harm or impair our relationship with him. So put away the evil things that you're doing that's hurting your relationship with the Lord. And he will abundantly pardon. In verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God's plan is something that that we can't dream of and that we can't uh, understand. Here we see just the grace of God, just the forgiveness uh, of God. We, uh, we see that that's not the way of man, to bless and to prosper those who are guilty. And, and yet the way of mercy and the way of grace is not the way of man. That's the way of God. There's an infinity between man and god my ways are not your ways my thoughts are not your thoughts and and so here we see our infinite god establishing his trustworthiness that god is working out eternal purposes and and those eternal purposes are uh, are the most important things that that our temporal existence is not the most important god is more concerned with the eternal than with our temporal and and so oftentimes for us we are so consumed with our temporal existence and not the eternal perspective and those are our thoughts but god's thoughts are eternal thoughts and in verse 10, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth that shall not return void, but it shall accomplish uh, what I please and it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. The hard, arid ground uh, of the Near East. But when the rains hit it and water it, how everything pops up and blooms uh, into life. And, And so here he says that, that His Word that goes forth, it's like the, the rains that fall down and everything bursts forth and the vegetation grows. Well, the Word of God is like that rain into my dry and dusty soul. And, and when the Word of God hits my soul and my soul flourishes, it comes alive, it is refreshed and it prospers. And, and that's why the Word of God is so important. That's why it's so important to to read the Bible and to go through the Word of God. That's why we teach the Word of God. And and, and it is God's Word. And God's Word is not going to return void. God promises that if you will just open up His Word and just read it, that that will be a profitable exercise for you. God promises. That's a, a promise to God. And that the more time that we spend in the Word of God, how how profitable that is in our life. In verse 12, For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Here we uh, see now the the, the glory of um, salvation, the day of the Lord when the lion is going to lie down with the lamb. And, and now what is going to happen? We're going to see nature itself is uh, is going to to be as God had intended and created it to be. We, we see the joy of the millennial kingdom is personified by, by these trees clapping their, their hands. And, and it says in verse 13, instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree and it shall be to the Lord for a name for an everlasting sign. That shall not be cut off. The millennial rain will come. And how glorious that millennial rain is going to be. It says here that there won't be thorns or briars. Remember that after Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden. That thorns and thistles began to choke out the good vegetation. And, and Adam had to work harder to grow good crops. But. In the future, even nature itself is going to be joyful and the promise of the millennial kingdom. The promise of that millennial reign of Christ and then into the eternal state was given to the nation of Israel before they go into captivity to give them hope that God has a future and a hope that they have not been cut off and cast off uh, forever. But what a glorious promise and future hope God gives to them. And what a glorious promise and future hope each and every one of us have who are in Christ. And so the glory of the millennial reign, the return of Christ, you you look at the things that we have yet to experience. The rapture of the church, and then the second coming of Jesus Christ, and then the millennial reign, and then the eternal state, and how glorious the future is for each and every one of us. Cast your burdens on him for he cares for you and and get your eyes on the promises of God. Get your eyes on the future that God has for us, the future of hope and peace and to prosper us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, how encouraging it is And how thankful we are of your declaration of love found in your word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will abide forever. And so, Lord, thank you. Help us to cast our cares on you, help us to allow our character to be formed and fashioned through the the trials and the difficulties through the blessings and the goodness, Lord, just as we walk with You. And so, Lord, continue to mold us into Christ. Help us to keep You first in all things. And help us to love You with all of our heart, to trust You, and to find our rest, and to find our peace in You. And it's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen